Hi, this is John Payne of Asia featuring John Payne, which is me, of course, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, episode number 51. Remember, you can follow Michael's Record Collection on Twitter, at Mike's Records, and you can find me at Michael's Record Collection on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection if you'd like to support the show. There is added value with each level of support, starting at just $2 a month. All right, enough of that. Let's get into this week's show. Uh, Asia is a band that exploded onto the scene as a supergroup in the early 1980s, playing a cross between catchy, hook-laden pop and progressive rock. The band went through some dormant stages, but never really went away, even when lead singer and bassist John Wetton left the group. John Payne replaced him, and his first album with the band was called Aqua, which was released in 1992. That album is 30 years old this year, and the band's debut album turns 40. So this is a band that's been around a while. I spoke to John Payne about the making of the Aqua album, That was his first with Asia, obviously. And I talked to him about the upcoming 40th, 30th anniversary tour with Asia featuring John Payne. We also talked a little bit about the awkwardness of there being two bands under the Asia banner out there. Uh, His work with Roger Daltrey, uh, whether or not there will ever be another GPS album, and uh, a whole lot more, including some of his background, some of the, you know, his first favorite record, that kind of stuff. So... Uh, (laughs) If you listen carefully to this show, you're going to hear John's dog squeaking a chew toy during our chat. Uh, Hopefully it's not too distracting. It it just kind of crops up every once in a while. Uh, Let's get to that interview. Here we go. All right. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm very happy to have with me today John Payne from Asia featuring John Payne. John, thanks for your time. Yeah. Good to see you again. And as we previously talked after so many years yeah how much how much older we look now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's great to see you again i i saw you guys perform at uh gulfstream park uh when you were with when there was only one asia and you were that's right jeff downs and uh chris and and guthrie uh were in the band at the time and uh so thank you for that was a cool lineup i enjoyed that lineup yeah and it was a good show too so you've got uh, an anniversary tour coming up. You've got uh, the yes. 40th anniversary of the 1982 self-titled Asia album and the the 30th anniversary of this album, Aqua, the first one you were on. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about this upcoming tour. Well, you know, as you well know, and not to disperse any confusion, obviously I wasn't on the first Asia album. Correct. That was Jeff, Carl, and... Steve and John and I you know I went out and bought that album little did I know that 10 years later I'd be the lead singer and bassist in that band um so what was was cool was I was thinking at the end of last year oh it's going to be 30 years of aqua I want to go out and do a tour and as we do the music of Asia through the years from from pretty much every Asia album you know, I spent 15, 16 years in the in the band with with Jeff and and did eight eight studio albums. I thought, well, it's actually the 40th anniversary of the original lineups Asia album, and you know, I play all the hits off that uh, a lot of the time. And um, I thought, well, let's call this the 40th, 30th anniversary and celebrate the music of Asia on those two albums. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we're rehearsing up uh, the first album and and Aqua, so we're going to try and do as as many of those songs that will fit into a ninety minute two hour show. Um, traditionally, especially back in vinyl, most albums are about forty five minutes long, but I tend to talk a lot. <laughs> so, um, as my manager says, like you, you know, keep your gob shut. And get on with playing some more music. So it's going to be fun. I mean, it's been 30 years since I've, or, or more since I performed some of those songs. So many stuff like 
Far Cry, Heaven on Earth, Someday, Crime of the Heart, uh, uh, Lay Down Your Arms. Yeah, I, I, I play uh, Who'll Stop the Rain at every show, but you know, I don't do any more from Aqua. And that was my first entry in the band and an album I'm very proud of. So it's going to be great fun performing all the songs. What is the lineup of Asia featuring John Payne at the moment? So uh, we have myself, obviously, and we have Johnny Fedovich, who is on drums and he's been in the band for a long time. Moni Scaria, who's been in the band pretty much since Guthrie Govan left and a keyboard player, multi-instruments mentalist called Jonathan Gilchrist. And he plays sax, violin, clarinet, flute, guitar, bass. The guy's a genius and, and everybody sings really good. So it's a really fun with these guys that I've been with now for quite a long time on our, our weekend warrior dates where we do you know, one or two gigs a weekend. This is going to be back to the old days of getting on the road again. I know July is about 15 dates so far. So um, th that's going to be great fun doing back-to-back -back shows. So the plan is to do 90 minutes. You're not going to just do uh, the 1982 self-titled album in Aqua in their entirety. You're just going to just kind of see kind of what, I what kind of time you have. Yeah, I haven't timed it yet. I know Echo was, was pretty long as an album. It might have been 70 minutes. I know the original album's under 45. So um, it's going to be hard to, to, to drop much stuff at all. If, if it's allowed, you know, normally contracts in a lot of places uh, top out at 90 minutes. But we have no problems... I think certainly in a, on a two-hour show, we'd get everything done. So hopefully we can stretch some of the venues to go beyond uh, 90, 90 minutes so as we can do the, them in their entirety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if you, you had time, you would do all of both albums. That wouldn't leave you any time for some of the other stuff from Aura and Silent Nation. I don't think we're going to do any of, any of those albums at all. Mm -hmm. uh, as much as I'd like to, uh, I think going from, on from this point, maybe next year I'll start introducing some of those albums and it's going to be coming up soon for their 30th anniversaries. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it would be just cool. I know bands, my friends like Cheap Trick, they'll go out and do Dream Police one night and then do another album another night. I think it's cool to, to hear an album in its entirety, in its running order for some kind of familiarity you know yeah so hopefully i can time it that that we will do everything that that's what i'm going to rehearse yeah. and then it's going to depend on the contract at the venue how long i can do Is it is it strange for you that there are, are two touring bands with the Asia moniker? Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's never always been the most ideal. Um, it's always difficult being the second singer in a band, firstly. Mm -hmm. um, although, you know, as I said, I recorded eight studio albums and 15 years in the band. And there hasn't really been another recorded vocalist with Asia, although, you know, there, there have been other singers now, particularly after John Wetton passed away. I think they've had Billy Sherwood and then Bumblefoot. And then now uh, I think they've got Mark, Mark Benilla, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I believe um, it's just Jeff and Carl and uh, the other two guys uh, on on their their tour. And um, yeah, it's 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 not it's not I- ideal. But when when Asia reformed, you know, I was still in still in the band, and then we had to make an agreement. Whereas I could go forward from that point on mm-hmm. uh, in 2006, 2007, uh, while the original lineup, original lineup formed. And the original lineup was only going to be like an anniversary tour. But I think once they started, they realized that, you know, they were the original lineup. And, you know, that first album did sell so well. So, so they continued. And then, then I continued. And, I basically concentrated on on the US. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, over the years since 2007, they haven't done that much touring because, you know, the members had other commitments of, of yes and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, as long as I think it's clear that, that which versions of the band who's in it from kind of both points of view, people can you know can then decide which or both they want to go and see so yeah um, it's just it's the way that it is and and uh yeah I, I can't change that yeah it's not the first time i mean there's been two versions of wishbone ash and sweet and you know various other bands and, as well. and yes and yes mm-hmm. really yeah even though that john anderson doesn't use the name but yeah there's it's it's not the first time yeah and you know you've got to remember that that uh it's a long time ago now yeah as i say it's 40 years since the first album 30 years since since i joined that's um a lot of people aren't still don't still have a musical career gone on to do other things you know yeah i can't imagine doing anything else and and I love what I do and you know I've had a couple of other side projects with GPS and Dukes of the Orient as well. Sure. And uh, I have a studio here at home and I like you know mixing and producing as well so you know music keeps me busy. You mentioned that you like to do other projects, and it just happened a couple of weeks ago. I spoke with Lana Lane, who uh, you sang on her album Neptune Blue. Yeah, I did some backing vocals for on that, and I actually they came to my studio here in Las Vegas, and we recorded um, the drums and a lot of the guitars from from one of my guitarists, Jeff Coleman, mm-hmm. and. Uh, who's out on the road with Alan Parsons at the moment, or they were. Uh, but yeah, I, I engineered some of that as well. And then Lana and I did, did a lot of the backing vocals. And uh, it was kind of fun, you know, Eric and Lana are a family and they have been for a long time. And she's a great singer. She's definitely got that Ann Wilson thing going on. And I think they've got some really good songs on that album. Yeah, for sure. I was telling her, I thought, um, because I know Mark McCrite and, and Eric also did some some backing vocals. And I, I told her when I saw that your name was in the credits, I was I was listening for you because you have a very distinctive voice. And I wasn't 
I wasn't able to pick you out because of the way that the voices were blended together. You know, the backing vocals were blended together. And I, I thought, I told her, I said, number one, that's that's probably a, a good thing because I liked the way it sounded, but also it was frustrating for me because I couldn't pick you out. Yeah, you know, because I, I wasn't doing any any kind of lead parts. So mm -hmm. we did a lot of crowd vocals where Lana and I were screaming at the tops of our voices and trying not to giggle. <laughs> but um, it was more big backing vocal pads, which mm -hmm. is funny. That's how I started the business as a whippersnapper. You know, I used to do backing vocals for a, a lot of known artists and stuff. Yeah. One of the questions I had for you was how you got involved with Roger Daltrey, because you've been on multiple Roger Daltrey solo albums. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you can hear me a bit more on those albums, especially like on the track Under a Raging Moon. I sung the backing vocals with John Parr. Mm -hmm. I remember Sonoma's Fire John. I was living in a, a village outside London called Harpenden and playing local gigs with my band. And this guy came came down and he introduced himself after our show and said, oh, my name's Alan Shacklock. I'm uh, from a band called Babe Ruth. I'm the guitarist, but I'm also a record producer. And he said, um, I'm producing an album with uh, Roger Daltrey. Would you would you like to come and sing on it? And I was like, what? Who's this guy? What's this bullshit? And we became friends and I worked with him on a few albums. He worked with an artist called Paxi Kenzet and a few other things. And uh, yeah, it was great. We worked at a lot of the big London studios recording that album. Yeah. So one thing I like to ask um, my guests is, what was your first favorite record? So I had a lot of things that I listened to, which actually helped develop my falsetto and stuff. And my dad had an eight track with a stylistics on. Oh, yeah. And I loved that old R&B. So there was stuff like that. And my dad was always playing Nat King Cole and Tony Bennett. So grew up listening to a lot of that. You know, and I went out and bought other things, but I suppose one of one of my first records was Deep Purple in Rock, I think, was one of my first albums. And there were a few just going on a little bit further that were just landmarks for me, like Breakfast in America or Four and a Four or, or again, Purple Live in Japan, uh, Early Rainbow. And you know, the, the list goes on. But, you know, there were some iconic albums that I can listen to this day and they still sound incredible. Yeah. I, I'm glad you, it tickles me that you brought up Foreigner 4 because if I'm not mistaken, isn't Lou Graham uh, at some of these shows, doing some of these shows with you guys? Yeah, Lou and I are good friends. and you know, He's been a hero of mine for a long, long time. I bought many Foreigner albums and I just love Lou's voice and particularly mix songwriting and the, the two of them together. And uh, yeah, I've, and me, I've done a ton, a ton of shows with Lou, and we um, we we work together great. And uh, he guests with with Asia FJP quite a lot. And uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being attacked by a dog. Um, <laughs> sorry. Ex excuse me, I'm doing an interview, dear dog. <laughs> um, so yeah he's done a lot of shows with us and we do a set that's uh, 45 minutes of Asia. And then I introduce Lou and we do 45 minutes of foreigner. 
and it's great to play those songs. I mean, and sing sing with Lou and stuff. You know, I I kind of developed a skill. I've got another thing called Voices of Classic Rock now, mm -hmm. um, and I had um, you know the Rock Pack and the eighties Rock Tour. And I, you know, I had a show that I worked on in Vegas as well. So I, I work a lot with a lot of iconic singers from Billy Gibbons to, to Lou, to Robin Zander, to Mickey Thomas, uh, Fee Wable from the Tubes. Um, and it's, it's like a dream come true. You know, you're pinching yourself. Yeah. You're playing some of these songs with, with the original vocalist. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a who's who right there. Uh, yeah, rock music—it's just tremendous. So I wanted—I want to get into Aqua because we're—we're we're going to talk about this anniversary album. This was uh, released on June eighth, nineteen ninety-two, and it's got a little different sequencing in the U.S. than it does in the U.K. Right, uh, little track differences, but uh, the same songs, just different order. And it was recorded at Advision Studio in Brighton. Uh, what do you remember about recording there? So uh, this is this is quite interesting. I'd worked with Jeff and he had a project that was going to be called Rain. And we had a manager in the States and we went into Advision Studios in London first before they relocated to the coast in Brighton. And Advision recorded recording studios in London, like Big Generator was done there and Lots of huge, huge albums. And uh, I remember recording uh, Don't Call Me and Who'll oh, Stop the Rain with Jeff for this project. I'd met Jeff through Phil Sporting, who was the bass player in GTR. And we became friends and started working together. And then I joined ELO. And it was going to be called ELO, then ELO Part 2. and And did a bit of work with Jim Steinman who was going to produce it but it never came to fruition or was just going through so much contractual hell um, with Jeff Lynn and, and Bev Bevan that I went uh, well see what happens and um, Jeff calls me one day and said oh can you come to uh, these studios in London and, and uh, have a chat so I went there and Jeff and his manager come to me and say, well, would you like to join Asia? And I said, well, isn't uh, John the singer? And he's, no, John's left to do a solo career. Would you like to join Asia? And I went, well, I see what, you know, I play bass, but I play bass and sing separately. You know, I was, a, when I started, I was a guitarist vocalist in a three piece. So, I go to them, well, look, let me go and think about it because I'm in, in Asia. I need to talk to Don Arden. And Don Arden's a pretty, you know, formidable person. He hung Robert Stigwood out of the out of the window, you know. <laughs> these, these were tough guys, the English managers in those days. So I thought about it and and I went, okay, let's 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 go for it. And uh, that was probably 1991. So we then finished off uh, Who'll Stop the Rain and Don't Call Me, wrote some extra songs and did part of it in, in uh, London and then the other part at AdVision in Brighton. And they were amazing times. You know, and the budgets on those albums were big in those days, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we were in the studio, which was a converted church in Brighton, we basically lived there for four months doing the album, you know, just residential day after day, mm -hmm. uh, 12 hours every day for four months. So this was yourself on bass and lead vocals, Jeff Downs on keyboards, Carl Palmer on drums, but a little bit different yeah. from for, for Asia. You had, you had Steve Howe and also Al Petrelli on guitars, and there were some additional musicians as well. There was uh, Anthony Glynn, uh, Simon Phillips. Yeah and Nigel Glockler, what was the, the story behind the, the additional musicians coming in? Well, the, I don't think it was ever wanted to be a full-time thing for Carl and Steve. Mm -hmm. Carl was still ELPing, 
Steve had a lot of yes commitments. And I don't think either of them wanted to commit fully to doing the album, but wanted to wanted to be part of it. And there's some, some great input from both of them. You know, Carl's almost Bonhamesque drumming on uh, The Voice of Reason. Steve's stuff on Who'll Stop the Rain. And, uh, and then we brought in some guest musicians that we'd all worked with before. You know, Nigel Glockler was from Saxon. He plays on Heaven and Earth and a couple of other tracks. Simon Phillips, Back in Town, I think he plays on, and something else. Love Under Fire, which actually Greg Lake wrote with Jeff. Mm -hmm. And it, it was kind of cool to do it that way. We, Jeff and I were trying to t treat it like, and we did further on, is we treated it like a Steely Dan in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. We wanted, we wanted to, to, to do that. So we had uh, Aqua Part 1 and 2 bookend this album. Yeah. Um, what was the idea behind that? Who, who came up with that and, and you know, what went into that decision? that was an interesting change for yeah I, i've always wanted some title track you know we did that on arena with into the arena mm -hmm. um and even on aria we we brought back a melody from the song to the end uh for the aria uh track but um you know i wanted to take uh Asia in a little bit more of a progressive um, way. And I thought it was nice to have a little journey and it was so cool recording Steve playing nylon guitar because he's such a versatile guitarist. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, and I thought it was nice to bookend the album that way. I mean, we did some cool things um, on the album. We were in Brighton, which is right by the seaside. And, you know, we even went down one night and recorded The Ocean, which is on Aqua Part One. It's, mm -hmm. That was not library. Uh, we did, we recorded a Harley motorbike outside the street. We got this guy to turn up. We met this Hells Angel in the pub <laughs> in Brighton and said, look, could you just bring your Harley and drive it up and down the street and record it between two mics? And that's beginning of back in town. So we had a lot, lot of fun. It was kind, of, quite inventive, inventive times, and you know, and always want to try and create a classic album in the ways that bands like Supertramp did and stuff with these various various musical journeys, and not just a bunch of song demos put together, but you know, an album. Yeah, it's one of the cool things about aqua is that right off the bat you guys set a mood with that like you mentioned steve howe's guitar and then jeff downs's keyboard washes and it it really puts you into the mood 
and it leads very nicely into who'll stop the rain which was just a, a tremendous song probably should have been a bigger hit in my opinion but uh, uh you know a good song a lot of this album was written by jeff downs with johnny warman i i'm not yes. that familiar with him with but did jeff bring a lot of these songs into the session already worked on so or? he did yeah so so who stopped the rain was was already written as were some of the songs you know and i did some melodic changes on some of the vocal lines but um some were already written and i did the same with i brought in a couple of songs too and then jeff and i wrote some songs together because this was, as I said, came from a, another project and Jeff had had some songs that he'd written beforehand. So, you know, after that point, when we start going to the other albums, it was nearly always 50-50, Jeff and myself. Yeah, I bought Heaven and Earth in from a project uh, called The Passion that I was working with uh, Andy and I from the Michael Schenker group on keyboards. So um, it was uh, it was a start of something. It, Acro really was the thing that started it all for me with with Asia. Yeah, you and you and Jeff had a very prolific songwriting career together. That's why it's a little it was a little surprising when I went back because I I kind of didn't really pay that much attention to the liner notes in those days. We were getting into CDs, getting away from, or getting cassettes and CDs, getting away from the LPs. So you, you yes. know, it was, you needed a magnifying glass to read those anyway. Um, but to see, you know, I, I expected a lot more, you know, Downs Pain and, and some more How, but uh, yeah, this, there was a, it was a little bit all over the place, but yes. uh, but very strong songs. Um, I think Lay Down Your Arms, for me, that's probably my favorite on the album and I, again that sounds like a hit to me but you know i'm not a record executive so Yeah, um, we we actually even appeared in a movie, that song. It was in a cartoon, which is one of the most expensive cartoons out of the UK. But the, the, the movie flop, Who Stopped the Rain, went to radio and was very su successful on German and US radio. And I heard it played quite a lot and did a lot of work on it. But it just didn't transfer into sales. I think the record company ran out of money and we didn't even shoot a video for it which is which was a really stupid thing to do then after that really there there was no other single on and i think that was a shame i think if the company spent a little bit more money at radio and been able to you know get onto mtv with some video which i think it was very short-sighted not to do a video of that album mm -hmm. yeah. the mtv video era 
you know, from 82 onwards. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think it was unlucky that that Aqua didn't become bigger than it than it was. Yeah, um, I think there was a a German single release for Little Rich Boy, but I, I'm not sure how it did. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. Um, I know we sold a lot more records in Germany than anywhere else. I don't know how it is in other countries. I, I find that American audiences are very hesitant to take up a band when the singer changes. Yes, you know, and I had long conversations with a lot of people about that. I've spoken to Brian Johnson about it, and he did it very successfully. Mm -hmm. um, I've spoken to Brian Howard as well, who's sadly not with us anymore. Um, with bad company, you know, following after Paul Rogers. Um, there's been a few bands that have been successful at doing it, but, um, you know, it's, it, it, it is a struggle. Yeah. Um, but the one thing is, is the cool thing is with when Jeff asked me to join Asia is that he didn't choose someone that sounded exactly like a clone of John Wetton. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, I think I brought my own style to it, which is maybe a little bit more rock or operatic in some kind of way. And yeah, it it's you, it's the hardest position to play to replace in any band. Yeah, having seen your band play and and listen to live albums and things like that, I can tell you that you do bring your own style to even the classic hits and, and, and you make songs like days like these and, and heat of the moment, you make them your own. You don't, you don't try to be John. You try to be yourself. Sure. And, and I think there's an honesty in that. I think that, that the, the fans actually appreciate that. I'm lucky, you know, my range hasn't changed since I was in my early twenties. So I still sing pretty much the same. Maybe I sing a little more throaty than I used to sing, perhaps. But um, it's it's really good to do your own thing in these songs, but also to pay homage to the the original song as well. Mm -hmm. There's uh, a song I um, I love playing is "Time Again" because it's such a challenge to sing and play bass on because it's like a jazz shuffle. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love doing that song. Yeah. It's a great song. Do you have a favorite from Aqua? Um, I don't know. We'll see when we start um, rehearsing it. I loved playing Someday Live. That's a, a, a warm and down song. It's a brilliant song. It's got what I love about it is the key change between the verse and the chorus. It really leaps. And I wanted to do almost like a Def Leppard, huge harmony thing at the chorus on that. Mm. And, and I love the orchestral bit, you know, going, going out. But I suppose that was, that was one of my favorites. Um, and the guitar solo that Al Petrelli does on that is just phenomenal. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to playing someday. Great. Well, the great thing about these albums being as old as they are is that you, you do have old school Asia fans who were there from for Asia and Alpha and and, and Astra, but you you have a, a following too with all of these albums 
<laughs> that right, uh, right. that you were on and 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 I'm sure there's pro- there are probably fans that you meet that prefer the John Payne era because that's I what get, they grew up with. You know, since we released the press release saying we're doing this stuff, so many more people commented on it than a usual post. And it was like, why are you not playing more of your your era? You did, you know, maybe 80 new 80 different songs with with Asia than and you only play a couple of them. And what's been so hard is that, you know, that the whole road touring thing has changed to more, um, you know, weekend stuff and playing in festivals mm-hmm. or um, casinos or, you know, summer, summer events around the States. Mm-hmm. And there's that expectation of playing, okay, we've got to play heat at the moment. You got to play. Um, Only time will tell, and then some other stuff from the from the first album. But you know, I think after this after this tour, um, which I think will maybe pull some of the people out of the woodwork that that, that actually uh, bought my era. That um, maybe I'll actually start playing less of the first album. And maybe just have the two big hits and then do the rest of my era stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you'll have some, you'll have plenty of uh, anniversaries for those albums too coming up. Um, sure. You know, for the auras and the arenas and the silent nations. So when, when the original Asia got back together, it was, it was kind of a blow. You had a good band going, um, you know, Jay and, and yourself and Guthrie. Uh, yeah. you formed GPS with Rio Akimoto yes. of Spock's Beard, and yeah. this is a good album. saw you guys at, at the rights of spring festival perform all um, oh, right yeah that it was a fun album i wanted to do something that's a little bit more hitting on pro- progressive metal you know you've got guthrie government who's one of the most incredible guitarists in the world yeah, and terrific. still is you know i've had steve by and steve luke the, both come up to me and go where the hell did you find this guy uh, <laughs> and um Guthrie's going on to better, bigger and bigger, better things, you know, been working with Hans Zimmer and, uh, you know, he's a great friend. I still have his, Guthrie, I've still got your bloody guitar on my wall. <laughs> his original PRS guitar. Wow. Um, he played on all his stuff. It's still here. And we still talk about doing another GPS album, but he's incredibly busy. Mm-hmm. Um, Rio's out of this world keyboard player obviously people know him from spock's beard and you know jay's a great drummer so gps was a, a fun uh excursion yeah so instead of a, a follow-up i think right around then is is when we got asia featuring john payne and i, and I just wondered if if gps was not was it just too much of a challenge to build a brand for gps or or was there some other reason that you went back? I to think so. Yeah, here's here's the problem: that um, with ever decreasing record sales and digital media is coming along, and coming from a band that had sold millions and millions and millions of records, 
and there's brand recognition. I started GPS in the interim of when we were negotiating what my contract was to be further up, furthering with Asia. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I put the GPS album out and it had great critical acclaim, but it was never meant to be a particularly radio friendly band. And, you know, I think it needed a huge financial input to put it on and tour support. We had no tour support. So um, that's basically when a record company gives you money to tour, Mm -hmm. to sell the record. So, and they did a good job with it. And I'm very happy getting John Kolodna on the artwork. And um, there's some cool references in there, some pyramids in the background, if you look in the window. Mm-hmm. And John Kolodna was the A&R guy for at Geffen Records for Asia, funny enough. And he's a very famous executive producer in, and signed so many huge bands. Sure. But um, I didn't know what was going to happen with GPS. It came, it got great, uh, great press. I went out and toured in Europe uh, with Dave Manichetti. And we supported them and, it, it, and we did a tour in Japan, but it didn't quite catch fire. And that there was still interest in me with some form of Asia. And then, you know, we got Asia featuring John Payne together. That, um, that made sense touring wise because of brand recognition. Yeah. So you went on and did uh, some stuff with Eric Norlander, the Dukes of Orient. You mentioned that yes. earlier. Dukes of Orient, interesting name because, uh, you know, sort of a tie-in with Asia a little bit there. Sure, um, yes. Uh, what is the status of the Dukes of Orient? The Dukes of Orient, I mean, Eric and I have talked about doing a third album. We've done two. We've never toured it. And these things, you know, are expensive to tour. Eric doesn't just go out with, you know, one Bon Tempe organ. <laughs> He's got, you know, mounds of keyboards and without those, it wouldn't look great. So, you know, that uh, we were hoping that something would catch fire on one of those albums, you know, the, the two albums that we've done so far. But, you know, a lot of us at this stage, we do music because we love it and it's just to express where we're at. If it's a secondary thing where it can either pay for itself to do another album or it, it suddenly catches on with a song and a film, then it will hop the profile of the band up. And then it's like a rolling stone. You know, once you're out touring and you see more people, it was unfortunate that we couldn't get to do it. It was just, financially not viable yeah i'm sure a lot of fans would be interested and forgive me if this is a a difficult question or if you'd rather skip it but it it, what is what is your relationship today with jeff downs like i've only bumped into jeff uh a couple of times at the nam music show and you know i i I did reach out to see if they wanted to do a, a, a an anniversary together um, but I think that, you know, probably from both sides that the, the split was as amicable as possible, but, um, you know, that, uh, I know John Wetton wasn't very keen of my, my time in Asia and, um, that kind of caused you know a a close relationship to be strained sometimes things have their time you know Mm -hmm. you go on a journey and and uh sometimes the journey has to end not everything's forever you know yeah so what's the classic term musical differences (laughs) you know and you see these bands still going together where they absolutely freaking hate each other like you know Crosby Stills and Nash and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, Daltrey and Townsend used to have fist fights and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's 
life's very short, but some things, some things are not meant to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, so is there something on the horizon, new uh, recorded album from John Payne coming? You got anything in the works? Yeah, we've got one. We've got one coming. Um, it's called, and this would be the first scoop of anywhere where I've told him, but it was called. It's called Aviana. And starts with an A, ends with an A. And Rodney Matthews has already done the album cover, uh, which is spectacular. And um, Aviana means bird-like. Mm -hmm. There's a huge metallic bird on the cover of this, this album. Well, I love Rodney's uh, Rodney's artwork. If, if people aren't familiar with him, he is the one that did the Aqua art. Yeah, and he's a genius. I think this is one of the best Asia album covers. I I, I think so too. And he's you know um, a cancer survivor, and he's he's going strong and getting awards for film film work that he's been doing, uh, animated film stuff. And Rodney's truly one of my best friends. So. Um, we, uh, I even played on his album. He did an album. And I mm. played bass, bass on it. So, uh, no, Rodney's, Rodney's a one-off. You know, great album designer like like Roger Dean. You know, those guys are, they're both genius. Yeah, for sure. John, I have enjoyed talking to you about Aqua and about your career, and I, I'm sure that this is going to be a great tour. I'm sure people are going to have a great yeah. time to go and see it. Um, they can go to your website. Where else can they find out more about you? I think if you look on Ticketmaster, if you go to the Asia website um, and some of the social media, you'll you'll find it. And hopefully, we'll be playing in a in a town like you. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this double anniversary. So see you on the road. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.